The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Good morning. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, and I am the executive minister and senior assistant minister and the director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the senior minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I'm in the midst of a series titled, uh, the secret of unlimited prosperity, the secret of unlimited prosperity. And today I'm teaching the prosperity law of mental attraction, the prosperity law of mental attraction. Now you've heard now the book that I'm teaching from is the secret of unlimited prosperity by Catherine Ponder. It's a quick little book. It's easy to read. Nice, quick little stories, but it's power packed with principles that can help you live a better life. So I would strongly, strongly suggest you check it out. Now, the I'm going to start on page 34. First, he gives an excuse about, I mean, not excuse, he, he tells a story about a professor teaching about students who were coming delayed and not prepared, and he was saying, Birds of a feather flock together. That's describing the law of attraction, that we tend to draw unto us people that we have a mental affinity towards. In other words, there's something that connects us to them, even if it's not obvious on the mental level. What do I mean by obvious? For instance, a victim will attract victimizers, not just victims around them. Because there's a mental acceptance, there's a mental attraction, there's a a mental affinity, there's a a mental connection that fulfills itself if you're a victim and you're around victimizers. Because if if you have even a subconscious mindset of being a victim, you have to attract somebody to victimize you or that mentality is not fulfilled. And Life is consciousness, and we can't outperform our own consciousness, which means that we will always have an opportunity to experience what we really believe at a deeper level. So back to the book, page 34. Catherine Ponder wrote, The law of mental attraction is one of the basic laws of the universe. We are all using it constantly, whether we are aware of it or not. In fact, we cannot help using it. 
The word attract means to draw. You are a magnetic field of mental influence. What you think about constantly, what you automatically draw or attract to excuse me, what you think about constantly, you automatically draw or attract to you. What you attract depends upon which uh, upon well, I'm butchering the English language today. What you attract depends on that which you dwell. Now, I want to go back to this part of you are a magnetic field of mental influence. Now, you've often heard me say what you radiate, you attract. What you radiate, you attract. You have a mental energetic signature. And I'm just making that up as a term right now on the spot to mean that you have a signature or vibration that gets in tune with people and circumstances that are in alignment with it. For instance, there's say, for instance, you are listening to the radio station and the radio station is 102.7. So if your radio dial is on 106.3, then it's really impossible for you to hear 102.7. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you affirm. I don't care any of that. Eventually, you have to get in alignment with 102.7, where it's the same thing with the law of attraction. What ends up happening is we put ourselves in circumstances and situations where as we change our mentality, We change our vibration. We change our consciousness. We change our energetic mental signature. We change what we radiate. Therefore, we change what we attract. You are a mental, a magnetic field of mental influence. You are a mental atmosphere. Therefore, you will always, always attract to you what you believe even if you are unconscious of those beliefs. This is an important point. You are a magnetic field of mental influence. You're always attracting something into your life. I am always attracting something in my life. I'm always attracting people in my life. I'm always attracting circumstances in my life. I'm attracting that which corresponds to my dominant, even unconscious way of thinking, feeling, and believing. So Ponder wrote on page 35, you attract into your mind, body, and affairs you attract into your mind, body, affairs, and relationships that which you secretly harbor, what you love, what you fear or hate. You do not so much attract what you want as what you are according to your secret thoughts. Mm, secret thoughts. Now listen to this. You, so you just don't attract on a mental level. You attract at every level. You're attracting to your mind, body, affairs, and relationships that which you secretly harbor. Sometimes we don't even like to admit it to ourselves. That which we secretly harbor. 
what you love. That's easy. But sometimes we love stuff that needs to be really set aside. Sometimes we love certain type of people or people that really need to be set aside. It says you attract what you fear. Remember in the book of Job, it is written, what I fear most has come upon me. And you attract what you hate. You know, I've often said about a few people I've known through the years, that person loves a good fight. They love to get fired up when they know there's a battle. Now, the problem that would come up is that that need to fight, argue, and, and be confrontational came along with other stuff that wasn't necessarily beneficial to the person's well-being, to their mental health, their emotional health, their physical health, and sometimes even financial health. Just can't wait for the fight. Okay, so while your energy is focused on this, guess what? There are other things that go got to go along with that. There are consequences to those decisions. So when you hate something, you're putting strong emotional intention on a person or thing. And remember, as Reverend Ike used to say, feeling gets the blessing. When you strongly hate something, you are giving yourself the opportunity to attract more opportunities to hate. All right. So Ponder went on the right. You do not so much attract what you want as what you are, according to your secret thoughts. So some people say they want one thing, but they really have different beliefs. Some people say they want happiness, but they love chaos. They love disorganization. They love conflict. And not conflict that produces results, because sometimes conflict can be a good thing. So what we're trying to teach people in the New Thought Movement is life is consciousness. And that means that as we shift and rise in consciousness, as we can become more aware and accept the truth about God and the truth about ourselves, we can produce and attract experiences, people, places, and things that are consistent with the truth of our being. That's the key. That's the key. I really want you to get it. That's the key. Now, she went on to write, you attract things to which you give a great deal of thought. In other words, what you're pondering, what you're imaging, what you're talking about, you're, you are attracting it. Because that's telling universal law you want more of it. Your mind is always on it, so that obviously means you want more of it. She went on to write, if you concentrate your thoughts on injustice, you attract injustice to you. If you give a great deal of thought to lack and failure, you attract lack and failure. And you attract to you people who think the same thoughts you do. Now, I agree with this. I do have a caveat. 
What I will say is this, when, when people are bumping up against injustice, you can think justice to combat injustice. For instance, you know, the history of the United States is filled with, um, you know, racism and sexism and oppression, and homophobia and things of that nature. I don't believe in the new thought that pushes that puts your head into a, a hole like an ostrich and just pretends like none of that stuff exists. I don't believe in that. The question is, can you find the balance? The balance of I am here for freedom, for justice, for equality, for prosperity, for wholeness. And I see this appearance that needs to be dealt with. And I'm willing to think the thoughts, feel the feelings, speak the words, and take the actions necessary for myself and others to be free of, of that appearance that's showing up in the world as what we would call oppression in any way, shape, or form. I don't believe that just stuff just changes in society just because one person is sitting in a room meditating. That might change their experience, but it doesn't change the experience. Now, back to the book, because I just want to make sure that we just don't surfacely just go past stuff and automatically uh, start doing what is sometimes called victim shaming. All right. Now we start talking about business and the law of attraction. She went on to write, we often see the law of attraction at work in the business world as it works through ideas held in mind, ideas that create an attracting or repelling mental atmosphere. This is really important. There are some environments that attract success, and there are some environments that, that push away and reject success. There are some environments that promote creativity and and attract the best talent and there are some environments that push the best talent away and denounce and sometimes even suppress creativity you have to be mindful of the mental environment that you create in your home at work at your school in certain environments. This is so true that you can even drive into neighborhoods and energetically feel the dip in consciousness, not just by seeing the neighborhood, because that's an obvious, that's something that's obvious. But you can feel it energetically. Walking into spaces and saying, oh, okay, even if this outwardly looks good, energetically, this place doesn't feel right. What's going on with this place? Moving on. She wrote, the businessman or woman who dwells upon the goodness of God in himself and others who thinks about it and expects success will radiate the attracting mental atmosphere that draws success. Emerson described such a person when he said, great hearts send forth steadily the secret forces that incessantly draw great events. So what it's basically saying is, if you want success in life and in business, you have to get your mind right first. You have to get your mind right first. 
If you want success in life, you have to get your mind right first. There's no other way for me to say it. Are you willing to get your mind right first? Are you willing? Just that by itself. Are you willing to do the mental work first? This is why I tell people to study so much. And I give homework when I do sermons and seminars because, and I, and I teach in books series. It's rare that I'm teaching a series without a book because I recognize the importance and the people who taught me recognized the importance of working on your game, working on your mentality first. Well, I love the story when uh, Dwayne Wade, who is a retired NBA superstar, not an all-star, superstar, who will soon be in the NBA Hall of Fame. And he tells a story about being a young player. And the Lakers came in to Miami. He played for the Miami Heat. And in the game, he played a pretty good game. And Kobe Bryant was on the Lakers at the time. And Kobe Bryant played a great game. But after everybody left, the media and everybody who does what they need to do for the game, all the officials, coaches, players leave. He was leaving late. And he saw Kobe Bryant, one of the best players who has ever played the game of basketball, who had already, at that point, had three championships before he ended up having five later, was in Miami without any of his teammates practicing when everybody except for the people that had to be there had left. And here he was about to go party after the game and he saw one of the greatest players ever practicing his game after a game. He said he took his, he went back to the locker room, put on his workout gear, and he went out there because he said, I'm not going to let Kobe Bryant come to my house and outwork me. So when you are open and receptive, you will attract the people, the mentors, and the models necessary. Now, a, a lot of players saw Kobe Bryant do that, but everybody wasn't attracted to that. But Dwayne Wade wanted to be great. So what? So it, that made him pay attention to and to what great players did. And he modeled it. Are you willing to do what it takes to attract the good that you desire? Are you willing to work on your mind, work on your skill set, work on your awareness, work on your gifts? So they can attract to you the goodness of God. What do you say? All right. Back to the book. Page 36. Joshua's use of the law of attraction. All right. So... This is talking about how Joshua took over from Moses and led the Hebrews into the promised land. 
All right. So she wrote page 37. What was the law of attraction that Joshua used to lead the Hebrews into the promised land? It was the same law of attraction you and I can use to take us into our promised land. She went on to write, from the time Joshua escaped from Egyptian bondage, he had wanted to go to the promised land, but many of the Hebrews could not accept the idea, even though Joshua, as a spy, had investigated it and discovered that it was a rich land flowing with milk and honey. All right. The doubts of the Hebrews did not stop Joshua from dwelling in thought upon the promised land. He would go to the top of a high hill overlooking the promised land, and there he would quietly study and dwell upon it, planning how he could enter it. He worked out a plan by which he could lead the Hebrews into the land of Canaan in just three days after a wait of 40 years. Ah, oh, but remember, if you remember, Joshua and Caleb were among the 12 spies that went into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb said, it's time to take it now. This place is flowing with milk and honey. Whereas the 10 spies were afraid and said, you know, we're like grasshoppers and they're like giants. And because of their lack of acceptance and faith, which we're going to talk about when I teach the last chapter of this book, the Hebrews wandered in the wilderness for 40 years when they could have, well, when Joshua, uh, decided to go in. It only took three days to go in and start doing what they needed to do. Now, why is this important? She wrote, by using the law of attraction, by focusing his thoughts on the promised land on the way to, and the way to enter it, Joshua invoked the law of mental attraction. In other words, he got his mind focused on it. Now, I don't want you to miss what she wrote, because this is key. He would go to the top of the high hill overlooking the promised land. And there he would dwell quietly. He would quietly study and dwell upon it, planning how he could enter it. So what is this telling us? One, we have to hold the image. Sometimes we have to study a thing. Sometimes we have to look at a thing. Sometimes we have to ponder a thing. This is why image books, treasure maps, and vision boards are good. Sometimes it's just looking at a thing. Sometimes that's going to the car dealership, sitting in the car, getting, smelling the new car smell. That might be going to the, to the open house to go see the house, walk around and to get a feel for it, touch the walls. It's the, it, see what I'm saying? You know, it might be even you want to work in a place, you know, Ask them, you know, see if see if you can get an interview with somebody. If nothing else, see if you could just go in the building. In the building. You know, even if it's just for a minute or two, just get a place to where you're contemplating it. It might be where you want to stay at a, you know, want to get your mind settled on prosperous living and going to the better areas of your town, your downtown or your more prosperous areas, even if you can't afford to stay there. See if they have a, a place where you can just sit down and drink some tea or coffee or some water and just sit in the lobby and just be in the prosperity, just start attracting the awareness. You're studying it. See, it said that he would quietly study. He would quietly study, studying what he wanted and dwell upon it, dwell. In other words, he wasn't mentally jumping in and out. 
He was dwelling upon it. He was studying it, quietly studying it. He was looking at it. He was quietly studying it. He was dwelling upon it. And the last part is extremely important and planning how he could enter it. This is why coaches are so important for, for athletic events. Because while you're playing, sometimes you're not studying. The best players, and I'm a basketball and American football, because I know people listen to this show outside of the United States, American football fan. Here's what I know about sports, in America at least. You got to plan for victory. Every team has a game plan. And the best players, not just the best coaches, also are studying the most film. They're studying the tendencies of their opponent. They're studying their game and trying to flesh out their own weaknesses. They're working on what it is that they desire to achieve and what it takes. I'll never forget the story when someone said that when Kobe Bryant, I guess Kobe's on my mind today, was a high school player. He, uh, uh, one of his ex-girlfriends said that Kobe invited him, excuse me, invited her over uh, to his house. And when she got there, he put on a videotape at the time, it was a VHS, of Michael Jordan playing basketball, just highlights. And she, he was breaking it down and explaining what it, what Jordan was doing. He was studying it. He was dwelling on it. And he was planning, how can I pull this move off? I just want you just to be really present to that. Really present. So as you work with this concept, are you studying your good? Are you looking at your good? Are you dwelling upon your good? Are you planning on how you're going to enter into your good? Because when you do that, you start to attract this people, places, and things necessary to produce the results you desire. That's why Johnny Coleman, the founder of Christ Universal Temple and the Universal Foundation for Better Living, would always say, it works if you work it. We're going to take our break. And we'll be right back with True Transforms. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Before I get back to teaching the book, I have a couple of quick commercials. One is I am going to be at Unity Village next week for the Fillmore Festival. The Fillmore Festival is between August 19 and the 22nd, I believe. 
and uh, I'll be speaking on the 21st. If you go to, um, I'm sure if you Google Unity Fil- Fillmore Festival 2021, I'm sure you can get the information. I think it might be live streamed. If you're in the area, I would love to see you get a ticket, come hang out, and you know, let's you know do this consciousness building thing together. So I want to make sure that we have an opportunity to to handle that. Uh, so if you're at Unity Village or that's something you might want to check out please make sure that you just Google it and get the information. I want to remind you that Christ Universal Temple is back open to the public. We're not just live streaming. We do live stream on our Facebook page, our website, cutemple.org, and our Facebook page, our YouTube page, CU Temple. But we're also back in the building, socially distant, but we're back in the building. So if you're in the Chicago land area, we would love to worship with you. We're also going to have an outdoor service on the uh, August 22nd, along with an outdoor event with our school on our campus, the Johnny Coleman Academy after service. So we're going to be on a big stage. We're going to have people come out with their cars and their lawn chairs, and we're going to have a full service, 10.30 a.m. until noon Central Time. So if you plug it, so make sure you tune in either online or if you're in the area, we would love for you to come and worship with us. We would love for you to come and worship with us. That's all I can say about that. Also remember that Christ Universal Temple has a noonday lesson on our Facebook page, Monday through Friday. I, along with a couple of other people, teach from the Daily Inspiration for Better Living, which is the periodical produced by the Universal Foundation for Better Living. So if you want to just get some extra information, even if you can't check it out at noon, go back later, watch it in the morning, watch it in the evening, watch it when you can, watch it on your lunch break. Trust me when I tell you, it is good spiritual meat. I'm teaching today, matter of fact. So if you have an opportunity, make sure you tune in because I'm going to be teaching. Let me see. What am I teaching today? Uh, be you. So that should be interesting. Be you. All right. So that pretty much covers the commercial stuff. Oh, one other thing. Uh, our senior minister, Reverend uh, Dr. Derek Wee Wells, has a Facebook kind of class show called Temple Talks at 7 p.m. Central Time. So just put in uh, Facebook Derek Wells or at Rev Derek Wells and it'll pop up. All right. Back to the book. All right. So I was talking about Joshua and using the law of attraction before we uh, took the break. And I just want to just recap that really quickly. Talking about Joshua Ponder wrote. He would go to the top of a high hill overlooking the promised land, and there he would quietly study and dwell upon it, planning how he could enter it. Study your desires. Dwell on your desires. Plan on how you can achieve your desires. Remember, if you are not writing it down, writing your thoughts and coming up with a game plan, you are not giving yourself the best opportunity to win. You have to put it on paper or in your phone. I have in my iPhone notes upon notes upon notes of stuff because I recognize that if I want to achieve something, I have to have a plan. And this is the beauty of having a plan. It creates a center through which other things can be attracted to you. And what do I mean by that? 
meaning resources, people, places, things, money, situations, phone calls, all these type of things can just pop up because you are centered with intention. You have structure to your thought. Now, we tell people that life is consciousness, which means that the more you have structure to your thought, the more you have an opportunity to attract that which is structured. I hope you get it. All right. Page 38. You attract what you harbor, what you love in, what you hate. Joshua harbored the idea of entering the promised land. He secretly loved the possibility. He thought about it. He meditated on it. And of course, he attracted it to himself. This is one of the things that Neville Goddard would teach all the time. He called it the law of assumption. That you have to assume mentally that which, that which you desire. You have to assume that it is true. You have to accept it at the level of assumption. And I'm going to use a different word. You have to assume it at the level of expectation. You have to assume it till it gets and it becomes a realization. I hope you get it. All right. Now let me move on. She wrote, you can never truly evaluate another person's experience unless you know what he is dwelling upon in thought. Now this is key. This is key. Because sometimes we wonder, why are, are good, bad things happening to good people? You don't know what those people are thinking. You don't know what they believe. You don't know what, how they really feel about stuff. You don't know about the potential negative conversations that are going on in their minds all the time. I'd never forget Reverend Ike would say in the, concerning the book of Job that Job was outwardly righteous and mentally wicked. And I always thought that that was interesting because the book of Job starts off by saying he would give offerings not only for his mistakes, but for the potential future mistakes that weren't even done yet for his children. He was functioning out of fear. And that's why he said, what I fear most has come upon me. Have you ever been in a situation, a circumstance, or knew someone where no matter how good the situation, they were so afraid of something going wrong that they almost basically produced it. Some people just can't accept good because they've been conditioned that life isn't supposed to work for them. Moving on. Ponderol. He may appear to be kind, positive, sincere, yet if his life does not reflect these qualities, it's because he's talking one way and thinking another. Then she quotes Jesus from Matthew 7, 16. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. Judge a tree by the fruit it bears. By the fruit it bears. Now, she has a whole thing about the attracting power of hatred that I'm not 
because I really don't want to focus on that right now. But she's talking about how that shows up as poverty and illness and other things. You can read that on your own because it does have some good points. But I want to get past that because I want to teach a couple of other things. I want to teach you how to get out of that. So obviously just understand that if you're harboring that hate and anger and frustration, it's going to show up in the cells of your body. It can affect your money. It can affect your relationships. It can affect all aspects of your life. Moving on, page 41, your thoughts make your world. Emma Curtis Hopkins has described the law, has described the law of attraction. The world in which we live is the exact record of our thoughts. If we do not like the world we live in, then we do not like our thoughts. Mm. Mm. Just think about it. As within, so without. Reverend Ike would say, I meet no one but me. Tom Johnson, the great science of mind teacher, would say, as he stated in his book, you are always your own experience. Then Emma Curtis Hopkins continued to write, Ex exaltation is a magnet for all good things of the universe to hasten to you. Depression and anxiety are a magnet for trouble to fly to you. So what are you promoting with your thoughts, with your feelings, with your beliefs, with your and with your words? You're creating a mental atmosphere to attract to you that which corresponds to what you're radiating. All right. Back to the book, page 42. Page 42. She is quoting Dr. Ernest C. Wilson. He wrote, there's always work for the right man and at good wages, even bigger opportunities ready when he has proved himself capable and worthy. But even the right man is no exception to the law of right thinking. A fearful mental attitude often keeps us from the good that God has for us. A resistant mental attitude holds back the demonstration and when we dissolve the barriers of repellent thought and substitute a receptive attitude of mind, good things come to us in expected and wonderful ways and sometimes with a promptness that is astonishing. Fear and worry, the adverse mental pictures that we establish in mind, form strong barriers, barriers against the things we desire. So you can be the right person for the right job and have the wrong mentality and lose or get it and lose because you can't maintain it by right of consciousness. This is why sometimes we see the inconsistencies of life. Well, why is this person who seems as though they are not as qualified succeeding beyond me when I have more experience? Or more education, or I'm more gifted. But how's your mentality? What can you accept as possible for you? As Johnny Coleman would say, how big is your God? How big is your God? Because if you want to do big stuff, you want to do big things, you want to have big experiences, you want to have big health, 
You want to have big prosperity. You want to have big love. You want to have big well-being. You have to have a big God. How big is your God? Because the law of attraction is telling you how big your God is. Don't miss it. The law of attraction is telling you how big your God is. Because God can only do for you what God can do through you. Because if you can't accept it, if you can't believe it, if you can't see it, you can't have it. This is why Jesus would say to people, do you believe I'm able to do this? People will come to him for healings. Do you believe? Do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes. According to your faith, be it done unto you. According to your faith. Can you accept the possibility of what I'm presenting? That's what Jesus was telling them. And that's what I'm saying to you now. Can you accept the possibility that I'm presenting to you right now? How big is your God? How big? Because if you can accept a God that's bigger, your life can be bigger. She went on the right, page 43. How do you clear up mental resistance which has repelled your good? You must begin by picturing the best for yourself and for others. Stop picturing yourself as weak or misunderstood. Stop dramatizing yourself as a martyr. If you want to be thought of as long-suffering, you will always have something to suffer about. Do not take on the troubles of the world. To do so makes your life more complex and delays your good. Withdraw your strong thoughts and feelings from negation on all levels of life. Don't plan on trouble. Don't dwell on it even if it temporarily appears. Don't even try to explain it. Let it go. Begin picturing the good and expecting it. Again, I remember, and I've told this story on this podcast many times, when I went to go see a person at a hospital, a woman, and the while I was there, the woman was getting call after call with people asking what's going on, what did the doctor say, what medicine are you on, what's the prognosis, what's the diagnosis. And I saw with great pain that she explained this over and over again. So after the, you know, trying to sit with her and pray and talk, because I knew this person, not just at a surface level, I just said to her, can I just make a recommendation? I said to her, every time somebody calls this hospital, and ask you about your prognosis and diagnosis, tell them I'm working on my healing. Pray for my healing. I'm working on my healing. Pray for my healing. Then I explained to her, every time you explain what's going on, what the seeming disorder or whatever was going on with her at the time, disorder or dis-ease or whatever, 
you are impressing it upon your subconscious mind, which makes it harder for you to release it. I said, now there are people who have to know the facts. So your husband, your mama, your daddy, I get that. But everybody that calls you does not need to know all the details. So just tell them, I'm working on my healing. Pray for my healing. Now, I don't know how much that affected her or didn't affect her health, but here's what I do know. What this person was dealing with should have taken her out 20 years ago. And this conversation I had with her was almost 20 years ago, probably 18 years ago. And she's still trucking. That's slang for me. She's still here. She's still doing what she got to do. You have to be careful about how you're impressing your subconscious mind because that will determine what you radiate and what you attract and what's possible for you. Achieve your good. She talked about a a lady, she wrote, a divorced woman had long dwelt on the challenge that several, on the challenge that several unsuccessful marriages and seven, several problem children resulting from those marriages had presented. Many years, she had dramatized herself as a long-suffering martyr and her problems had multiplied. Her theme song had been, poor unlucky me, what a hard life I've had. Everything happens to me. True to her words, the law of attraction had consistently produced more and more hard times for her to face in the form of ill health, family problems, indebtedness, and sheer poverty. When this woman eventually learned of the law of attraction, she was living from day to day, wondering how she would meet the rent and struggling to provide food and clothing for her teenage children, whom she had difficulty keeping in school and out of trouble. So she's basically going to tell how she reversed it. I want to dwell on that, how she reversed it. Once she started getting her mind right, she started to attract different situations. And then her children started making different decisions, which helped her produce what she wanted to produce. So let me just say this, because we only have about seven minutes, six, seven minutes left. If you want life to be radically different, you have to think radically different. The thinking has to be radically different. You have to think differently. You have to think better. You have to improve your thought. You have to dwell on higher thoughts. You have to pray on higher thoughts. You have to meditate on higher thoughts. You have to visualize on higher thoughts. You have to lift your emotions above depression, frustration, anxiety, fear, and anger. And focus your mind on what it is that you say you desire because what you radiate, you attract. 
what you radiate, you attract. Allow that to land. What you radiate, you attract. What's in your life now is what you have attracted. Where you've been in life is what you attracted. Where you're going in life is where your mentality is now. If you want different mental, emotional, physical, financial, relational destinations, you have to radically change the way you think. Radically. Radically. I really want you to get it. Your now state of mind is producing your tomorrow. Where are you going? What are you experiencing? What are you doing? Your now state of mind. I really want you to get it. Your now state of mind is going to produce something. What is it going to produce for you? Shaking together, running over. I just want you just to think about it. Because when you start to have higher aspirations, opportunities can present themselves in ways that that are miraculous. You start saying you want a better life, you go, go on YouTube, you start seeing stuff. You see people like me teaching messages like this. If you're attracted to it, if you're open and receptive, you'll click yes. Uh, I mean, click and list, start to listen. You'll start to look up and research books to study and dwell upon. You'll find video and audio programs to help you develop yourself. You start showing up at seminars and workshops You'll find new thought churches like UFBL churches, Unity Churches, Centers for Spiritual Living, Divine Science, and other new thought churches or churches that teach messages that are similar to this, that focus on your inner wholeness. That's what's possible for you right now. But I want to go back. To where Ponder wrote about Joshua. He would go to the top of the high hill overlooking the promised land, and there he would quietly study and dwell upon it, planning how he could enter it. That's the key right there. That's the key. That's the key. Les Brown says you got to keep the main thing the main thing 
In other words, your energy and effort is going towards producing this experience. You got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Do you have a main thing when it comes to your good? Do you have a main thing when it comes to your gifts? Do you have a main thing when it comes to the desire that you want to produce? Where you can honestly say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let this go until I produce it. I'm not going to let it go until I have it. I'm not going to let it go. Because that type of mentality will draw to you people, places, and things necessary to experience it. I want you to get it. You will go to the top of the high hill overlooking the promised land. And there he would quietly study and dwell upon it, planning how he could enter it. Napoleon Hill once wrote, a, a goal is a dream with a deadline. So if you have a plan, it needs to live in real time. It needs to have, it needs to be measurable. You have to be able to measure it. When? By when? I'm going to do what by when to produce what? That's a plan. So hopefully this get, gets you what you need to be. Like I said, I'll be in the Fillmore Festival t- next week, so I'll be traveling. So I won't be able to do the show next week, but I'll be back in two weeks with the last chapter of this book, The Secret of, the Li- of Unlimited Prosperity. God bless you all. Take care. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.